And welcome to another episode of the Monday Morning Director Podcast, everybody. I'm James Anderson, as always, here for another monthly retrospective of all the movie reviews I did in the month of April. Uh, technically, to, uh, today I'm recording, it is May 1st, um, but we're going to treat it kind of like it's an April 31st type of thing, and my birthday is the last day of April, so obviously I know there is not an actual April 31st, uh, but... What I mean by that is we're going to loop in the review that came out today, this morning uh, as well, and that is for the movie The Circle, even though it technically came out on May 1st. I'm just going to loop it in with April because by the time I'm recording this, it, it would make no sense to kind of push it off to the next one because it's so fresh in my mind. Uh, as far as the month of April, it was a long month. A long month as a movie fan. Uh, it... It seemed like you were disappointed at every step of the way. I can't speak for the most recent Fast and Furious movies because I'm not personally a big fan of that franchise, so I didn't go and see that one to review it because why would I go and review something uh, that I don't necessarily like that's going to be seen by a bunch of people and kind of just get lost in the mix of a bunch of like thousands upon thousands of other reviews of that movie simply because it's a blockbuster and so it's going to get a lot of eyes on it. So I decided to go for things that I thought seemed interesting. Uh, There wasn't a lot that honestly I was too excited to go see this month. Um, There was only really one movie that I I was genuinely like 100% interested in. Uh, But ultimately it, it was still just kind of another indie movie. So... Uh, just a quick recap of the list. Uh, this month, uh, I reviewed Kong Skull Island, Gifted, Colossal, Free Fire, and The Circle. That review came out this morning. Um, since because since it was a very difficult month uh, in terms of movie reviews, I don't want to go too negative. I, I feel like it's going to be really annoying and kind of uh, repetitive uh, if and redundant if I just go through each movie and just talk about the things I didn't like. Uh, and not be too... And not... I don't want to bog all this down with too much negativity. So, what I've done is... Basically, I went through and I gave each movie a superlative. Kind of like uh, what you would write about someone in uh, a high school yearbook. Or, or like a little fake award certificate you would give to somebody. So, I'm going to just go down in chronological order of the ones I saw and reviewed. Uh, so, that's going to start with Kong Skull Island. For me, the one I gave is Most Potential. Uh, this movie had a lot of really great actors with a lot of, with great pre- uh, a great pedigree uh, behind them. Uh, the story was very interesting. It was definitely an interesting take on uh, King Kong because we've seen it him so much uh, set in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, even in the Peter Jackson remake, they went back to like the 1940s, the one that had Naomi Watts and uh, Jack Black. And I thought that it was very interesting that for this one, they modernized it a bit and they moved it up to the 70s. Uh, it started in the 40s where a, a character was shot down in a fire pilot uh, and got into a battle on the shore of the island uh, with a Japanese fighter pilot. Uh, these This was an American fighter pilot and a Japanese fighter pilot who both crash-landed and then got into a fight on the shore through the jungle throughout and then ultimately came in uh, contact with King Kong. And then it jumps all the way up to the 1970s. And the whole premise of them going in is 
uh, that you got this uh, government corp- sanctioned corporation uh, that is being run by a character being played by John Goodman, who, uh, who is on a lifelong mission to try and find monsters. Uh, and prove that monsters exist because of an experience he had when he was in World War II and he was lost at sea in the Navy and he came across a monster and, and no one seems to believe him and that it, he thinks he's crazy and that everyone on that ship died uh, because of sharks, uh, kind of like simp- a-, a la the famous story told by Quinn and Jaws, uh, that type of thing. And so the Vietnam War is going on, it has just ended, so you got a bunch of people sanctioned in South Korea already. Uh, and so Samuel Jackson heads up a uh, air, uh, an army unit uh, led uh, with a bunch of helicopter pilots who then get one last call before they're supposed to go home. Uh, hey, just go and make sure, help these scientists out on this uh, trip to this uncharted island. Uh, they're going to document it, uh, the terrain there. They're going to potentially see a bunch of new species. They're going to do a lot of research. Just go and make sure that you transport them there. And keep them safe in case there are any unforeseen dangers. Uh, so, with that, they took the philosophical side of the Vietnam War. Of should we have been there? Should we have not been there? Uh, was it a war worth fighting? Uh, what was the motivation behind it? Uh, and should Why are we attacking them? Uh, shouldn't we be kind of protecting democracy from home instead of just attacking communism abroad. All of those things that you would get in like a very uh, heady topic and they boggled it down into the character of King Kong in this movie where he's not just a monster just out to destroy everybody that is getting in his way from the beauty that in this movie is being played by Brie Larson who, who finds a way to calm the beast within. Uh, this one was, he is a beast protecting the local tribe from other beasts, and he's basically their god, and he's the last of his kind, and there's a bunch of uh, other more dangerous monsters on the island who have lain, uh, been dormant for a really long period of time, and Kong is the last of his species, and it the rumors and kind of belief of the local tribe is that they are waiting for Kong to die before, the rest of the monsters are waiting for Kong to die before he comes back out. So there's a lot of interesting uh, motifs and themes that they get into, uh, and the way that they t- connect it to the the time in which they set it in, it was definitely a very unique take to, to go with uh, Kong as a character. Uh, and they had a great cast that uh, they had uh, that Brie Larson, that Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, oh my God, uh, Hiddleston. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Tom Hiddleston. And so, they had a, a very interesting take on the character. They had a they put it in a new setting with a pretty interesting story, uh, and th- there was so much potential for this to go right and become a huge, wildly successful blockbuster. Except that they failed on the most basic of things, and that was the writing. The dialogue was god awful. There's nothing more I hate in movies than force-fed backstory. And you got nothing from that. Uh, nothing other than that from pretty much every character. You would It would be like, 
hey, we're on the island, and we're, and we're just hopefully safe for the night. Oh, and by the way, here's the whole backstory about where this pocket watch comes from and how that uh, my father, who I've never mentioned in this entire movie, yeah, he was in World War One. He threw it to me. I never saw him again, and that's been a huge effect on my life. That's why I went to the Army, and then going into the Army, I saw something that changed me, and that's why I'm here now. Fantastic. You just told me through three sentences with barely any emotion, and no real reason for me to be finding this out because it has zero context to the story as to what your entire life story is as a character. And it happened pretty much every few scenes in the movie. It's like, hey, here's this high-paid uh, actor or actress who we have in this film. It's a big blockbuster. We're going to make it a very shallow character, but we're going to try and make the character seem more interesting uh, by just letting them telling you pretty much everything about them, and hopefully that's something that you find interesting. Uh, the only one that was actually warranted for that was the character played by John C. Riley, who was the U.S. fighter pilot who crash-landed in the first scene of the movie. So you at least had some context and some understanding of how he got there. And so the backstory with him wasn't force-fed. It was, I just want to go home. And m my wife was pregnant when I left. I don't, my son thinks I'm dead. I've never met my son. I want to see my son. Can you help me get out of here? I've been stranded here for decades and this is the first contact I've had with humans outside of the uh, from outside of this island and outside of this tri uh, this local tribe who I still have trouble communicating with. That is the only backstory that was really warranted throughout the entire uh, screen uh, throughout the entire screenplay as being a valid one to give in the way it was presented, a valid one that was needed in terms of context for the story and adding an a, a empathetic uh, trait to that character. And beyond that, it, it the script was just... Uh, not the script in terms of plot points, but the dialogue within the script was just horrendous. And it bogged down what had a lot of potential for great success um, with all the, mo the money and minds and abilities behind the project it should have done so much better than it did now i'm going to move on to the m next movie that i reviewed uh this month and that was gifted uh and i'm going to say that one was the most human uh when i mentioned earlier that there was only really one movie that i went into like really geared up to see that was this one because i'm a sucker for indies and this seemed like a very solid independent film with a great uh, with a really uh great story to connect to and that that worked uh, it was a very down-to-earth story uh it stars chris evans basically his sister committed suicide and left behind a child in his care and he is uh make trying and this child is insanely smart is a genius is a is a math prodigy at the first grade level at the age that you would be in first grade is already able to perform the calculations for problems that a lot of people in graduate school or professors can't do some of the world's largest problems and her mother was the same way and ultimately that's what drove her to suicide was her her struggle to try and chase the dream for one of these unsolvable problems one of the f world's five most unsolvable problems that every mathematician in the world would love to solve because it you would you would win prizes and awards and you would be recognized worldwide as the having been the one who figured this out and so, fearful of that fate, Chris Evans, as the uncle, decides to, even though it's clear to the administrators in her public school that she should be elsewhere, 
that he doesn't want to put her elsewhere because he wants her to have a normal child, a normal childhood, and in comes the long, uh, estranged, uh, estranged uh, grandmother who stopped really talking to her daughter when she had uh, got pregnant out of wedlock, and you and so that broke down and deteriorated their relationship, and <clears throat> it seems like she's only interested in uh, the child's. Uh, in the in the child's future, once she realizes she could become a math prodigy and solve the problem that her daughter was never able to solve, and and maybe she can get a second chance at uh at produce at being the mother, or in the, in this case grandmother of uh a math uh, a math like legend of sorts, and so you have that con- uh struggle between the rebellious son who even though he himself was always very uh, mathematically gifted, uh, kind of rejected the whole I'm out to go and make a name for myself thing and just wanted to be a normal guy uh, and is trying to protect that for the, for his niece to give her a normal childhood. And then the mother who's like, no, 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 we need to put her in the best schools. We need to lock her away with tutors. who are just going to tutor her, tutor her, tutor her, and make sure that her, she will have her name down in history. And ultimately... The, the film comes to a compromise at the end, a valid one. You can go take math classes at a college during the day, but then you can uh, take all the other subjects at your normal first grade school and still participate in your local town uh, things throughout the, throughout the rest of the school day and the rest of the school week, uh, and that's the, where it ended up. And throughout the film, that uh, there were a couple of real tearjerker scenes. I thought that so for this one, it was the most human. It was the most grounded. There were a couple of scenes that there was one scene that I was so confused by and had one of the best reveals I had had, uh, best kind of hidden reveal scenes I've seen in a long time. Where they're in the hospital. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone because it's very powerful when you see it during the film in the context of what you're watching because it's very confusing when it's when it's <laughs> happening. You're like, why are they at the hospital? They they just randomly go to on a trip to a hospital uh, waiting room. What does this have to do with answering the question that this girl asked her an uncle? And then the reveal of it is unbelievable. Uh, and so I'm not going to spoil that for anybody, but uh, this one was the most human by far. And then I'm going to move on to another independent film. This was kind of a month of failed blockbusters and independent films that don't really have a lot of buzz because this is the independent film season one. You have kind of average independent films that didn't get Oscar accolades uh, going into the award season, and so they're spilling over now that they're done their uh, festival circuit into like small-time, uh, like short-term, short-lived releases, uh, and and so in April to kind of break up the tone of that, you need those big blockbusters to hit to really make it a successful month. And unfortunately, one of them was for a franchise I don't like, and then Kong Skull Island kind of fell flat. So. Moving on to the uh, Colossal, which was another uh, independent film. This one gets most creative. Uh, the plot and the story were totally unique from anything I think I've ever seen. Basically, it stars Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. Uh, Anne Hathaway's character is a recover, uh, struggling alcoholic trying to quit uh, and then realizes uh, and there's this news uh, story that's kind of encapture. In, in <laughs> uh that has basically 
mesmerized everyone around the world. Seoul, uh, Korea, is being attacked on a nightly basis uh, with the materialization out of thin air of a monster who is walking around the city, knocking over buildings, crashing and falling on people. And she realizes through watching the TV news every morning that this monster is doing, making similar actions, uh, making similar movements and doing similar actions to what she was doing when drunk while in the local town park of her childhood home. And she realizes that she and the monster are somehow connected and that it is her that is actually the monster and that it materializes when she's standing on that playground. And as crazy of a premise as that seems, it really was wildly creative as the movie went along. It goes from kind of funny, buddy comedy with a weird kind of horror sensibility to a psychological thriller about halfway through when Jason Sudeikis' character finds out he also can materialize a giant uh, robot when he is in the park. And that and it, it, he has a sense of uh, power that he's never really had before. And it brings out the psychopathic tendencies that had been dormant and he hidden uh, and is revealed through flashbacks of their two, uh, those two when they were in elementary school together. And there was an altercation that they had in the same park that led to them both having these abilities. Uh, it, it, but despite the crazy premise, what made this so creative and tied it all together and ma- didn't make it just random kind of gibberish all over the place was the metaphor that all of this was a mission to save soul, not just the city, but to save her own, for Anne Hathaway's character, to save her own soul, uh, to remove any negative influences from her life, to remove the drugs, the alcohol, to remove Jason Sudeikis' character from her life and become free uh, as and, and safe as a human being. And... Uh, and per- and save her own soul, and that metaphor, uh, is probably not going to be picked up by too many people. Uh, pretty much every review I've seen it has been talking about. Once you get get past the crazy premise, it's an entertaining movie. For me, it's not that it's an entertaining movie; it's a deep movie. It's more than that, uh, as a lot of independent films are. But this one is definitely one of the bigger jumps to get to that, uh, which, so I'm not blaming people if they don't get it, uh, get that metaphor, uh, on their own, but it, it, because it is pretty mass, it's masked very well, uh, by the director, and it was wildly creative, uh, hence the most creative kind of superlative I gave it, uh, next movie is Free Fire, uh, which, another Brie Larson movie, uh, this one had an unbelievable cast, um, and it's a very simple, very simple script, uh, and it gets the most fun uh, uh, award for today. Uh, it's confusing at times. There's a lot of shaky cam. Basically, the whole premise is that you have uh, Brie Larson and um, Army Hammer are the two middlemen between an arms dealer and the IRA who is visiting in Boston to buy guns from this ar- arms dealer and his associates. There's a problem between two of the associates who are local from Boston uh, on either sides that was unbeknownst to anybody in the situation. Not only that, but it was unbeknownst that those to both of those characters that the other one would be in the a part of this deal. So an altercation breaks out. Uh, one person 
fires a shot at the guy, then that fires shots, uh, uh, causes shots to be fired kind of into a crowd of people and then hit a couple of people, uh, people, which means now the two sides are just in a full-out war in this abandoned warehouse in Boston. And there's a lot of shaky cams, so it can make it kind of confusing. There's a lot of switching sides between some of the characters, uh, and it it's all locked into this one location. But basically, it's just an hour-and-a-half gunfight with a lot of funny jokes and funny di- funny dialogue and uh, funny character moments. Uh, the, the way I like to describe it is it's kind of what I would imagine playing paintball with my friends would be like if we were using real weapons. Uh, it, it, it's basically paintball with stakes, with real stakes, like you could lose your life type of stakes. And so to have that juxtaposition of this is kind of like a game and this is funny uh, with there's actual real consequences was definitely interesting. And the, it, the dialogue was well written. Uh, it was ex- it was executive produced by Martin Scorsese. So you get that big name attachment to it. Uh, it's not fantastic it's not because it's such a simple script and such a simple premise but you could tell the actors were having fun while making it i can imagine being on that set how fun that must have been uh it's just a simple script that uh it's nothing special uh but it it was a fun watch at least it at least you could just sit down and kind of just turn your mind off for about an hour and a half and just enjoy it. You're going to get confused at times about who's fighting who, but if you just kind of, like, just sit back and just enjoy the funny dialogue and the back and forth, then you're going to enjoy that movie. Uh, and lastly, uh, and this is probably, I'm saving this for last because it was the most recent, as well as the only one I can't pretend to be nice about, because it was that bad. Uh, that is The Circle. The written review came out for that this morning. Uh, I'm re- recording on May 4th, on May 1st uh, as I mentioned earlier on. Uh, most self-important is the one I'm going to give to this. Uh, that's my passive-aggressive way of saying it's a crap movie with a great cast because of the real-world uh, relevancy that uh, we are feeling where social media and is taking over in that we are an instant gratification society and we're broadcasting our lives to the world and that is now being called entertainment through things like vlogs and all, all of that. And it's the old media versus new media debate of is that safe for us? Is this a good trend? And pretty much what happens is Emma Watson gets this job. Uh, Emma Watson's character gets this job at a... A corporation called The Circle, which is the new age, like, like media mogul, um, and they and they have been pushing the boundaries of like where technology can take us uh, through streamlining uh, health insurance and pretty much banking and all of your daily to do into like one. Uh, they never really explain it, and that's the point. You don't know what this company does. You don't know what the purpose of her job is. You just know she gets hired for customer service. And so basically she's sitting around uh, in like those help chats you get stuck in uh, with random uh, people. Like if you ever have a problem with the tech issue and you go into like uh, the help chat and you just, you get connected with some random employee in some, uh, (laughs) some office building in just some cubicle, cubicle who's probably there just Googling the same stuff you're Googling 
uh, except that they've had to deal with this with hundreds of people, so they probably know what the best sources to go and look for. And and th- at least that's what it seems like it is. And somehow on customer service uh, polls immediately after helping her, you get ratings, and based on your ratings, that's how you do well, and this, that, and the other thing. The corporation is run by Tom Hanks and Patton Oswalt, who are supposed to be evil, but you don't know why because you don't really know what they're doing. Um, except that they create these cameras that are pretty much undetectable and tiny and they can stream through satellites like perfect uh, resolution footages anywhere throughout the world and those cameras catch her breaking in to steal a kayak to go out on a kayak ride at night which uh, where she's then almost hit by a boat but because the cameras caught her they uh, they sent a, the company sent a helicopter with like a lifeguard to go and save her and because of that they use that as leverage to trip to force her into uh going fully transparent where she has a little one of those cameras on her shirt all the time and basically she's living a 24 hour a day daily vlog that millions of people are watching and because of that she learns that privacy is dead and with privacy dead you don't have yourself you just have your fake entity of yourself but you need those people Ultimately, one thing leads to another. Next thing you know, one of her friends is dead because people are chasing her because of an app that she created and people took it way too seriously. It was like a manhunt. And because her friend is dead, it's like, I need to get back at the company now. And so the way she gets back at them is she's just standing on a stage with Patton Oswalt and Tom Hanks and says, I'm going to invite you to live what you preach and you're also going to go fully transparent and you're also going to wear these cameras and you're also going to do this all the time. And because I'm presenting this option to you in public, you can't say no. And now I'm going to walk out of this auditorium into uh, the sunny daylight where I'm going to open the door to an overexposed uh, sunny outside world where I'm going to then walk through and then it cuts to cuts to credits and you're like that's the ending that's the ending everything about this was terrible <laughs> it w- it had that that sense of self-importance like we're presenting a real world big picture st- uh, story that has a lot of real world implications of what we're living on now this is important it's uh it, it's about our future we need to make sure we can have these big, uh, over-the-top, uh, big worldwide uh, conversations, but then you're not going to explain the issue, you're not going to set up the characters, uh, which you force-fed us way too many characters at the point, uh, and did that thing that I hated about Kong Skull Island, where you had force-fed backstory through dialogue, uh, and not only that, but their backstories didn't even have anything that... While it was better than Kong Skull Island, it, where the context did pertain to the story, it also wasn't interesting. So, on the one hand, they did a better job at doing a, a terrible script, uh, dialogue writing uh, style that's just lazy uh, than Kong Skull Island. But on the other hand, they did so poorly in a different fashion. In other words, no dialogue should ever just be telling you a character's backstory. Ever, ever, ever. Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell is the first rule of screenwriting. You show, you do not tell. And if you do have to tell, have it be through a voiceover and not just, and it's usually preferably in a montage. 
And even then, that's kind of lazy, but sometimes it's needed just to move things along. They never did that. Um, so you're confused half the time about what you're watching and why the motivations are there, but at the same time, you can sense that everyone's feeling that this is wildly important and that and ultimately it gets to the end where Tom Hanks is in front of the crowd where he's supposedly being given his medicine and he turns uh, to Pat Oswalt's character taking a sip of coffee and is like and says sorry I want to swear but this is a direct quote he says we are so fucked and then takes a sip of his coffee and I'm like okay so this is your this is your <laughs> this is your punishment for a lot of confusing kind of convoluted uh like kind of disguised evil that you never really get to understand and then it, fine so let's say you are effed let's say you are screwed over and that you you got your ultimate come up it's then why do I not f- see any fallback you he- that's literally all you get is him saying we are so effed, and then you move, and then the the movie ends. You don't see any of that actually take place. How does them going transparent as well affect their life? How do, how do you see that transparency ultimately affecting them in their ability to commit backroom business deals that hurts their ultimate bottom line, which then hurts the company and hurts their wallets? And like, am I just supposed to assume all that happens? Because honestly, I don't even know what the company even does. From the beginning to the end, you never know. So, if you don't know what the company does, how do you know how this hurts them? And it, everything about it was terrible. It was based on a book of the same name uh, that was aimed towards a YA audience. And this movie, they dumbed it down to uh, make it appealing to kids younger than a YA audience. So, a book that was geared towards, like sophomores in high school got uh that probably didn't really have a big effect because the plot was just as sim- uh simple and uh uh minimized as the movie was then made into a movie aimed towards probably like 10 to 11 year olds but set at PG-13 and never really did anything and it just screams most self-important as the award I gave it because the it has the air of we're doing something great that's needed for society and that's why we got all this star power behind it because we had a ridiculous cast Emma Watson, Tom Hanks Patton Oswalt, John Boyega uh, Eller Coltrane then why the hell does it feel like just a bunch of nothing so that I think I'm just going to leave it there that was the end of the long month of April uh, that was the (laughs) that it was for movies Um, hopefully May will be better Uh, the first movie that I'm going to be reviewing uh, for this month uh, as May 1st has in my mind roped the circle into April with April 31st Uh, it thank God I have something to look forward to with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 for the fall, for the next review, that's going to be coming out next Monday, ten thirty, as always. Uh, Monday re- uh, morning director uh, written reviews come out every Monday at ten thirty. You can follow me on Twitter at janderson underscore mmd. I will be tweeting out the links to those as well as the link 
the SoundCloud link for all the, for each of the monthly podcasts. Um, also, make sure to check out the weekly podcast I do uh, called House Divided with, with my girlfriend, Gabby Riggi. Uh, she is a New York sports fan. I am a Boston sports fan, and we talk both New York and Boston sports and the rivalries that is the rivalry that exists between the two cities and the ongoings with the teams inside them, uh, inside the two cities. Uh, we do that at, uh, every Monday slash Tuesday. Uh, we usually upload uh, our episodes, so make sure to check that out, especially since we're right in the middle uh, playoff season uh, with the Celtics still going and the Rangers still going as well. The Red Sox are and Yankees are finally getting into a meaningful part of their uh, season, so make sure to pay attention for that too. Uh, I already mentioned my personal Twitter account. Check out uh, the episodes from Monday Morning Director at mondaymorningdirector.wordpress.com, and you can find House Divided at House Divided. Uh, sports.com uh, that's pretty much all I got for now uh, also check out House Divided and Money Morning Director on Facebook uh, and both now have an Instagram account as well so those posts will probably from Instagram be going out to both Facebook and Twitter when I up, uh, upload photos or videos uh, so make sure to check all that out and thanks for listening guys <laughs>